We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Bills make me wanna. In western New York, when the winds howl across Lake Erie, and all of God's creatures are hibernating, there stands one beast, impervious to the bone-chilling temperatures and soul-decaying frost. They awaken to the sounds of fractured polyurethane and crushed aluminum. At Ralph Wilson Stadium, the true gladiators perform outside the Coliseum. This is Bill's Mafia. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Bell Report Podcast. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. To my right is my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was some hacky voiceover guy from the from the Barstool Sports recent Buff, Bills Mafia documentary. Now, that production is one of the major topics of discussion tonight here on the Rock Bell Report. But before we get into that, we have an announcement to make. <clears throat> In the matter of Christopher A. Krueger versus one Shannon M. Krueger, this action was commenced by filing the summons and complaint on December 16th, 2016. Defendant was personally served in the state of New York on March 20th, 2017. Plaintiff appeared pro se in this action. Both parties consented to a default divorce based upon the separation of property settlement agreement entered into between the parties on April 17th, 2017. The court accepts, as written proof, Chris Krueger is divorced, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Finally back on the market legally. And there you have it, folks. Ladies, open your vaginas and bring (laughs) them forward to me. And there you have it, folks. One of the worst chapters of Chris's life, outside of puberty and his first attempt at making love, has finally come to a close. Chris, can you describe what it feels like to know that you are a free man? Feels wonderful. Uh, I've tweeted it before. 
the lap in the in the entire drought, I have had my first kiss, lost my virginity, gotten married, and now divorce. <laughs> if that, I, I tell, I gotta tell you guys, it's been a rough road for Chris here. But you're out of the woods, my friend. Cheers. And we do have a bet that we made with Potter. Yep. You say I'm getting married again. I say otherwise. But we didn't put a time. We need to put a time limit on it. Uh, I don't know. I think I like my odds on this across a long enough timeline. Okay. Well, what do oh, you? Give me do, years. They'll beat you, you down. Set the, you set the years. <laughs> set the years. Well, we can work all of that out later, guys. But I mean, I, I'm just happy for Chris. I mean, you don't know. That's a giant weight off of his shoulders. Woo! So, as we always do, we are going to kick off the meat and potatoes of this week's show with the Bills news update. Carlos Williams suspended for an entire season. Just announced this afternoon, former Buffalo Bill Carlos Williams was handed a season-long suspension by the NFL for violation of the drug policy. Williams has yet to take the field in any capacity since being cut by the Buffalo Bills just over a year ago during during the early stages of training camp. It's like a it's like a a whole season Jonas Gray because he had that one game and then Carlos had a whole season and then hey I'll smoke weed and you know well, get cut released signed with Pittsburgh I mean he came into camp out of shape and I think some of that's a byproduct of smoking pot and just not taking care of yourself but whatever the case is I mean I think it's crazy that a guy with that I mean he showed what kind of talent I mean I think he proved over the course of like the well, what did he play? He had nine touchdowns over the course of ten or eleven games. I think he had like he had a touchdown in each of his first four or five games. So it's just crazy to me that a guy who I think established that he has a certain level of NFL talent. I mean, I don't know whether it, he was just. I mean, some he guys show up. Some guys show up like a flash in the pan. Like you mentioned, Jonas Gray. I think I, I think Carlos Williams showed enough over the course of the games that he did play that he has legitimate NFL talent. I mean, he just can't seem to shake the pie usage. I understand that the last season, the last year has been rough for him. He's had a, a child suffer some serious illness. A lot of him, kind of turmoil on the employment front. I mean, you get drafted by a team, you move there. Then you get cut by said team. You're kind of moving back to Florida, but you're still looking for work. Pittsburgh puts you on the practice squad. Now you're away from your family and your, 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 your lady and her kids. I think if you follow our show, you know that in cases that it may be beneficial, I'm a supporter of marijuana usage when it comes to players in the NFL. We've talked about that before in the podcast when it comes to Chantrell Henderson. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one to sit here and say, say that pot usage, you know, in all forms and fashions is wrong. But unfortunately, this, these are the rules. And the NFL sets them, and they don't joke around. They're not going to make any exceptions on this. So recreational usage of it isn't going to be tolerated by any franchise in the NFL or the league itself. And, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's disappointing more than anything just to watch and just to see how quickly his career is slipping away from him for drug use. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Justin Blackman from the Jaguars. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had a ton of talent. And he never made it back to football after his just kind of unceremonious suspension-fueled exit out of the league. And now the scary thing is you look at a guy like Carlos Williams and you wonder, can he pull himself out of this? Or is he destined to suffer the same fate? I think he's 
destined to suffer the same fate. I mean, he did have he scored on his first ever NFL run against Indianapolis. <clears throat> he had four touchdowns in the first four games. He was, I believe it was it was two years ago. So I I'm not sure if Shady. I want to say Shady had some kind of an injury. Or was that last no, yeah, season? No, he got held. He was a starter for a game, and he played really well. He had a great game against Miami when Shady wasn't exactly 100%, so they were limiting his snap count. He got that concussion. <clears throat> yeah, he had a concussion Serious issue. Serious concussion. He was out like three weeks. But in all honesty, I think if he can clean his act up, there's still an NFL job out there somewhere for Carlos Williams, but it's on him to reach out and grab it. And every year that he doesn't, and every year that he wastes not getting his act together and not being in shape and not being able to commit to the NFL like that, just more and more, you know, more and more hungry young players step in and take those jobs. You know, the longer you're out of the league, there's no guarantee you'll ever see it again. So I think that, I mean, it's something to keep an eye on. I just, it's just disappointing. To you me. wonder how long Pittsburgh's going to hold on to that. I, exactly. I mean, I, they kept Martavius Bryant, but that's because Martavius Bryant is a. He's a stud he's and a produced, favorite. He's product. He's productive on a high level, and then and more than one season. Exactly. Ooh, kind of sad. And now to move on to kind of the the focus of this week's show, the Barstool Sports. I referring to it as a mockumentary. Was it funny, or is it a fuck up on their part? Last week, Barstool Sports released their first attempt at a documentary in the form of a ten minute video advertises a documentary of the hashtag Bill's Mafia. To say that local reviews were mixed would be an understatement, I'd say on the same level as maybe Eddie Lacey should watch his carbon take. We asked our social media followers and those who follow the Buffalo Bills subreddit for their opinions for this show's poll of the week. Just one poll. Those things aren't scientific. Now, I purposely waited a week before creating the poll. And the results surprised me a little bit based on what I heard that you know in the days following its immediate release. On Twitter, 178 votes, 21% of people said that they hated the documentary, 28% of people said they enjoyed it, and 51% said that they're completely indifferent to it. I firmly believe that these numbers would be drastically different had I created the poll the day the video was released. Such as is the nature of social media... Knee-jerk reactions and hot takes to this production were fairly polarizing. Enough so that last week's guest, Del Reed, had to take to social media and conduct interviews, reminding everyone who will listen that this video doesn't portray all of Bill's Mafia or the Bill's fans that are out there, and that everyone needs to calm down. It's not an accurate representation of the overall fan base. Uh, they even focused in the documentary, I think they focused on one specific lot that they kept mentioning in that uh, documentary. I've been going to Bill's games my whole life. I've been, you know, tailgating. I've never seen any of that behavior firsthand until social media came around. Um, so, and I think most people who have been to Gil Bill's games would say they've not seen that firsthand. Um, but, it is, you know, people are going to see that and they are going to think, like, oh, that must be how it is everywhere. And then you see on social media, people tweet, oh, I got to get myself to uh, a Bill's tailgate so I can see what it's like. Well, 95% chance they're going to end up at a tailgate where it's just a couple guys grilling hot dogs and talking about how much they hate New England. That audio comes from Del Reed's interview with the Spectrum News Network. I think that, not I mean, you hear it from him, and I think that as these numbers show, good sense has finally prevailed on that front. People have finally calmed down enough to realize, okay, 
this was a, it was a video that was created by a group of guys who aren't Bills fans. First and foremost, they're not. They have knowledge of who we are. They watch what we do. They see. I, I mean, the people from Barstool's got to see what goes on when stuff is posted to Deadspin, and that's probably where they got the idea of this. You're a season ticket holder. How long have you been a season ticket holder for? Oh, I've been a season. I've been a season ticket holder for going on six or seven years now, and I've been. T- I've been tailgating for probably the last 15 years. Have you, all, as a season ticket holder, have you always parked in that lot that you park in? Yeah, and I've never seen anything You've never, like this. never seen anything like I haven't either in the games that I come to. Mm-hmm. And I know occasionally we get to move our way around of the tailgate. Well, exactly. But then, I mean, you look at what the documentary is. And, I mean, it's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be fun. You know what I mean? I, I don't think they went into it to be malicious. I think they went into it saying, hey, let's try our hand at this documentary thing, and let's try to make it enjoyable. So what did we here at the Rockpile Report think of the film itself? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here's what I had pegged as my highlights of the video. First and foremost, the fact that Pinto Ron repeatedly kept referencing to social media as, quote-unquote, the Twitter. Did anyone else notice how he kept showing his age? He kept referring to it the way you would expect any other 70-year-old man to do. The Twitter, the Facebook. Well, he's he is the <laughs> most well-known tailgater that we have. I mean, he's been to, like, every game the last mm-hmm. 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta... He came down to Atlanta. We hosted him. The Bills backers. He was at our tailgate event. He had the bowling ball. He brings that bowling ball wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, I like that they started off the documentary with Pinto Ron, but I don't think they showed enough of him. Man, you could argue that. I mean, what was one of your favorite parts of the show, if you had to pick one? I uh, like when they kind of documented Pinto Ron doing the, the catch-up thing. That's cool. And then one of the other things, and I think, I, I think as you as my producer, maybe, maybe this caught your eye. Outside of the hacky voiceover guy, who I swear to God, I, I mean, you want to hear it? Okay, you want to be, you want to get that serious, deep monster truck rally guy voice going? I swear to God, with just a couple clicks and some, you know, not that fancy editing and Cool Edit Pro, we here at the Rockpile Report can do that too. Now appearing for one night and one night only, it's Truckzilla. You're listening to the Rockpile Report. Download the podcast on Podbean. Do you see what I mean, guys? Anybody can do that, and that guy's voice drove me crazy. You could tell it was it was completely produced and overplayed, hacky voiceover. But I will say that outside of him, the production quality of the documentary itself was better than I expected. I mean, this is something that, content notwithstanding, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have been talking about it in the media in regards to the film. I think that for a first attempt, their camera work, the filtering, the audio quality to correspond with the video, they did a great job putting this together. I'll admit, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the thing itself, I, I could absolutely see them doing a very good job when it comes to other productions in the future. I mean, I really do think that they have, and they've even said that they plan on continuing making these things. I think they did a nice job outside of the hacky voiceover guy. I mean, that is a little bit off topic, but I mean, this week Barstool did announce that they got Michael Rappaport, who's a hardcore NBA mm-hmm. guy. So they're 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 getting into getting 
higher profile people yep. to their um, to their to their website, and I'm sure they're going to do things in the future. And you know, hopefully, their next uh, venture into a documentary or mockumentary is going to be better than what they did with Bill's Mafia. Well, let's hope so because let's not. I, I don't want to paint too rosy of a picture of this thing because this thing definitely had a collection of lowlights and cringeworthy moments. And I, for, here's where I'll start it. For those of you who have seen this thing, first and foremost, the interview with those dildo-throwing morons. That's not a good idea to transfer from Pinto Ron to children that throw dildo, dildos. I mean, you're walking around, you're bragging that you snuck a marital aid through security. And that you're banned for life. I mean, I don't know what's worse. The fact that these kids are proud of walking around in public with a marital aid strapped to their leg or the ridiculous facial hair. I mean, look at the jerk off standing on the left when they're doing that interview. It's like he's trying to grow a chin strap, which in all honesty, you shouldn't be able to wear unless you work at the front desk of a shady motel or you rent out storage lockers for a living, but he couldn't actually commit to it. So instead he just looks like he gets stuck in puberty. Right after middle school. Isn't there a shitty motel on Southwestern by the stadium? <laughs> maybe he works maybe, there. Maybe he's the manager. And then the other kid on the right looks like your run-of-the-mill high school pot salesman. I don't think he I, had... I picture him wearing one of those... What's the, what are those... They call those hoodies? The drug rug? I could see him in a drug rug just walking. <laughs> I don't think he had anything to do with the uh, with the throwing the dildo. I think I, uh, his the, the dude on the left was the one that threw it, and he just happened to be... He just happened to be there, and... Uh, his buddy was like, oh, Barstool's coming to interview me. Why don't you come hang out in my kitchen? We can talk about throwing dildos, even though you had nothing to do with it. I don't know. The whole thing was, the whole thing just, I, I thought that part of the documentary was completely unnecessary. And those guys just sucked. The only thing of value I took away from their inclusion, their mom, that chick is a MILF. She can get it. Hello, ladies. <laughs> That was the best part oh. of that segment. I'll tell you, the, the, only, mom is hot. The, the only noteworthy thing from that segment was the fact that their mom, I don't know how old she is, but uh, hey, what, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm divorced now. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, and then I got to say, the other thing that really kind of turned me off about this whole thing, I saw it and I write that in there, I wanted to shut the video off. Anyone who knows me outside of just like listening to the podcast, who knows me personally, knows I'm down for I'm known for pushing the envelope farther and being a little more open-minded than a lot of people that I know. But nothing makes me impotent faster than the idea of watching women spit beer into each other's mouths as part of some kind of drinking game. I mean, that scene was fucking disgusting. Larissa, if you're listening to the podcast right now. If you decide at any point in time in your life or our relationship to give that game a try, I don't know what it's called, I don't want to know, please let me know so that I can pick you up a bottle of Listerine, some Orbit gum, and a bus ticket to Hoboken, New Jersey, where that kind of stuff is acceptable. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that. You have it here written on our rundown, snowballing. I was like, what is snowballing? Uh, Google it. And you're like Just spitting Google beer it. into... <laughs> I'm 30... I'm going to be 33 next month. I've never heard of that. See, Chris, that's what I mean. Just trust I'm me. I'm in my 30s now. Trust me when I say that I know things that would turn. It's like it's like Winston in Ghostbusters. I've seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> At the end of the day, 
it was gross and unnecessary. And if people out there are actually doing it, you should be ashamed. Your fathers and grandfathers are going to be ashamed if they see you in that. That's disgusting. So my overall take on this, honestly, it was a semi-entertaining watch that ultimately didn't provide us with anything that Deadspin hasn't beaten, like a, just beaten to death. Like a ho- I mean, that horse died a long time ago. Just wait till September when that horse rises from the dead. <laughs> no, they're not gonna. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. There was Bill's spin, Barstool Sports themselves. Did, all the season were documenting all this terrible, atrocious behavior going on out there. But knowing what I've known and reading what I've read all season, I mean, I didn't harbor as much of the ill will as some people did after I saw it because it's just, it's not... It's not indicative. I mean, I can understand why people would think it paints us as a fan base in a negative light. All the debauchery, shirtless 20-year-olds who are just out there destroying their livers, bodies, and job prospects by filming themselves in the middle of doing all this dumb shit. And all these other disruptive and illegal behaviors. I mean, do you remember the kid who went to jail because he he did the butt chug and he was on probation and not allowed to drink and he went to jail? (laughs) Yes. Like, you guys are idiots. (laughs) Our fan base is becoming synonymous with them to those outside the area. And I, so I understand why some people in our fan base are pissed about it. Or, I get it. Let's not forget the dude that slid down the rail and oh. fell over the ledge <laughs> who got banned forever. Yeah. I, I mean, we are becoming synonymous with that behavior, but they represent 20% of the overall population and don't illustrate the sense of community and the sense of charity that members of this fan base have for one another. I mean, that's what we're known for. That's, what, that's the, what Bill's Mafia is. I mean, we had Del Reed on our last podcast. He started Bill's Mafia, and it's Bill's Mafia is basically a, a charity organization, is what Bill's Mafia is. That, I mean, that's what they tried to be. They were like, let's grow a sense of community between the, the players, the, the fans. We can help the community. We can do all this great stuff. So to see us portrayed like that, I can see the backlash. But I can tell you this. I've been a season ticket holder for years, and I've, like I said, I've been tailgating for over a decade. I, don't get me wrong. Our lot, I mean, our lot, we have a shot bus. Now, I'm in, okay, so the, all of this stuff happens in the grass lot, which is off of California Road, Mile Strip area on that side of the stadium. On the other side of the stadium, off Route 20A, okay, I've been tailgating in a spot called The Pit. And I can tell you that, I mean, our lot, we're no saints. We have a shot bus. They accept donations from friends, strangers, whoever happens to be in the lot that day in exchange for open pit barbecue. They make all kinds of crazy mixed shots and, you know, mixed drinks for you. I've had Bloody Marys there, you know, at 530, 6 o'clock in the morning. You get there, you start setting up and you're hungover. Well, by 9 o'clock when they open their doors, you go over there and for 2 3 $4 donation, whatever you feel like throwing in, they'll, they'll fix you a Bloody Mary and send you on your way. I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I say community. And then it's because they don't care. They're like, hey, whatever you want to give, give. Just come hang out and have a good time. That's what it's supposed to be about. And I mean, as far as my personal tailgate, I mean, I've got a giant wheel that sits out by the street for guests and passersby. You spin it. I mean, it basically invites you to join us for a round of waterfall drinking, shots, even to take your shirt off if you're so inclined. (laughs) You know, I love taking my shirt off. (laughs) We've got shot roulette. We play Thunderstruck. For those of you who don't understand the game of Thunderstruck, you essentially play the song Thunderstruck. You get as many people as who want to play in a circle, and you grab beers, and you turn on the song Thunderstruck, and every time they say the word, another person starts to drink, and you can't stop drinking until they say Thunderstruck again. 
and then you just go in a circle like that until the song's over. (laughs) And we've got a concoction that's lovingly known as Uncle Drew's Cough Syrup, which is my own proprietary blend of apple cider, cinnamon, brown sugar, and usually a liter and a half of whiskey. (laughs) At the same time, after all of this, I mean, clearly we're, we're boozers, we're partiers. I've never broken a bone. I've never set myself on fire, and I've never been kicked out of a game for any of the shenanigans that go on around our tailgate. Because it's fun. We're there to have a good time, but that isn't the reason. I mean, it's one of the, it's a big attraction to, you know, it's something I look forward to. But at the same time, I go there for the game. And I feel like the people involved in this type of behavior see the game as secondary. Because they don't know what, you know, a lot of them are younger. They're all in their 20s. They don't know what watching a successful Bills team is like. No, they're all like 23. Yeah. We've missed the playoffs for 17 years in a row, 16, yeah. 17 so years in a row. So I don't fault them for seeing this as a party day instead of, hey, let's party. But the game is still the focal point of being there. The, the, uh, I don't. The probable uh, majority of that male fan base, they're probably named Bryce or Bryson, maybe Brock. Have a man bun. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mario, Mario Granada, if you're listening. I'm sorry I, I mentioned man bun. All I know is that for as much fun as it looks like those guys might be having, depending on your definition of fun, I am content to continue tailgating and continue conducting myself the way I do every Sunday because it seems to work. Now, you just said something, Chris, that brings me to my next topic, the 17-year drought. You know, these kids, you know, they haven't seen a successful Bills team. They were in diapers when the Music City Miracle happened. So you look at it and you say, okay, you know, there's a lot of buzz. Everyone has, everyone feels good. There's been changes. There's talk about culture change and all this stuff going on around the Buffalo Bills team. Yet earlier this week, some jerk made headlines for talk, I mean, taking what were perceived as shots by the fan base at the 2017 Buffalo Bills. In an article on Bleacher Report, writer Brent Sobleski discussed five teams that he believed to be setting themselves up to tank, which is, means to intentionally be a bad team, in 2017. Think, think of the Sabres. Yeah, think of what the Sabres did. And to be in the running for a top quarterback prospect in the next draft. Basically accusing these teams of intentionally trying to be bad in order to get good draft picks in the future. Now, some of these names on his list weren't, weren't a huge surprise. The Browns are clearly still in full-out rebuild mode. They had a ton of selections in the last draft and a half, and those are definitely going to improve their team. I mean, all of their draft picks were high picks. But they weren't active in free agency, and they're still very young and unproven. Now, you look at the same, in the same way, you've got the Rams and the 49ers. They were both mentioned in the article for having rosters that didn't get a boost in free agency, and they didn't really, I mean, they drafted impact players because they, just by merit of the fact that they were drafting so early, but again, They've, you know, they, they've drafted a lot of guys instead of going out in free agency and getting impact talent that can come in and help them win right now. So they seem to be setting themselves up to win, just not in 2017. Yeah, you could see that with the Niners because they the trade that they made at the draft with the, where they fleeced Chicago. Oh yeah, they they're they, not playing for this year. They're yeah. going to play for next year and the year after. Absolutely. And then there was the Jets. Okay, now the Jets, out of all the teams on this list. I mean, given that they're in our division, there's no doubt that we've been keeping eyes on what the Jets are doing. And out of every team on this list, I think that they've done the most to earn the label of tanking. The Jets have jettisoned pretty much all of their veterans. 
I mean, you think about everyone who's left their roster. Marshall, Decker, Mangold, Harris, Clady, Revis, kicker Nick Folk. All these guys are NFL veterans who are gone from last season's team. They traded away a former draft pick in Kelvin Pryor. They fired Devin Smith, who was a second-round draft pick two years ago, out of a cannon across the parking lot like Evil Knievel at a circus. Like, I I mean, they, they got him as far away from the roster as possible. And he wasn't even drafted that long ago. I mean, they've done, they've shed $68 million in cap space, and they haven't really made any significant free agent additions to really offset that. I mean, they signed Morris Claiborne. They signed, uh, who else? I, I can't think of anyone else they brought in in free agency right. matters. Quick, quick question. So, I mean, we'll get into it in, what are we, in June? We'll get to it in eight months. Mm-hmm. But there's a little talk, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold's sophomore? Mm-hmm. Okay, so end of the season comes, Jets are dead last. Who's to say he's like, I don't want to go play for the Jets. He could. I'll just stay in, he could I'll pull just an Andrew stay in Luck. college. He could pull an Andrew Luck and decide to stay for stay in college for longer. I mean, it's completely possible. So then there's the Jets, and it's funny you mentioned quarterbacks, because you look at the Jets quarterback situation. First off, former second-round draft pick Christian Hackenberg. The guy has as many completions to members of the media standing on the sidelines as he has to wide receivers during their offseason workouts. Bryce Petty, we saw it last season. He's mediocre at best. And so to save the franchise next season, right the ship, you know, we don't have much in our quarterback chart, so let's make a bold move. Let's go out and bring someone who can kind of pull this locker room together. The Jets went out and signed Josh McCown. Over the last six seasons, McCown's record as a starter is 6-23. and 6-23 and 23 fucking losses! <laughs> you are one pathetic loser. As a GM, if your team is this poorly constructed, you are either very, very bad at your job, or you're doing this intentionally. So you can understand how, much like a lot of the people on social media... I was pissed off to see that this writer, Mr. Sebleski, decided to lump the Buffalo Bills in at, at number five underneath the Jets as a team who's setting themselves up to tank in 2017. After reading the article and following up with the, the author's history, things started to come into a little more focus for me. I mean, here are his cardinal reasons for the Bills being on this list, along with some of my, you know, some of my thoughts. First and foremost... He, he states that one of the reasons that we're set up to tank is that three of our top four wide receivers from 2016 have signed with other organizations in free agency. To that, I say, three of our top four, you mean Goodwin, Robert Woods, and Justin Hunter? Glass Goodwin. Really? That's what you're losing sleep with the Buffalo Bills roster over. We gained Zay Jones in the draft. We picked up Andre Holmes in free agency and signed veteran Philly Brown. I feel like right now we're better off at this point in the season than we ever were at any point in time at wide receiver during the 2016 season. I don't remember you being that high on Zay Jones. I wasn't, but I'll tell you this. Dean Kandig? I'll tell you this. Here's what I look at. I look at Holmes. Holmes has size and he's got upside. Every one of the wide receivers you just mentioned, okay, two of them, are short guys. 
Neither one of them has ever had a thousand yard receiving season. Justin Hunter only caught 19 passes. And you had to do a cartwheel. And I had to attempt a drunken cartwheel. I mean, we didn't lose anything. So to say that, it just doesn't seem to matter. Well, how about, how about this? We've been one of the best run teams over the last two seasons in football. We did lose Bob Woods, who is a great run blocker. Okay. What, as a wide receiver, did you see the contract that he got? Yeah. You don't pay I would, a run blocking wide receiver that. No. Then they're talking about losses of Stephon Gilmore and Mike Gillesley to the Patriots and free agency. Now, if you had approached, if you would, if he had approached this argument and saying that he thinks that the Bills' defensive backs as a unit will take a step back in 2017 because they lost their number one corner to free agency, I would tell you that I see your point. But to claim that losing a backup running back, who yeah he had, he had good metrics, but he was a street free agent when we found him off the scrap heap, and we got a pick back, and then we lost him for a draft pick. That's just ridiculous to me. And then you throw in the fact that we drafted a player who we think can be our legitimate number one cornerback and who has shown well so far this offseason with Tredavious White. I feel like the argument isn't as valid as he wants it to sound. Yeah, by all reports, uh, Trey White had a wonderful rookie minicamp. We've got to see if it carries over to training camp. But it, just, just the fact that you're going to bring that up, okay, so we lost a number one cornerback, but we drafted a kid who we think in this system could still be our num- slot right in as our number one. And even if he can't, we still have some depth, and it's a completely different system. It, it's not reliant on man coverage, so you can do more things. Zone defense hides the deficiency of your, pl- your cornerbacks. It really does, because they have a chance to keep the play in front of them. So I get what he's saying. On paper, it looks bad. But when you look at everything else, I just it doesn't hold water. And then he brings up the loss of our leading tackler. And once again, Zach Brown left. I get it. Zach Brown left the roster after making the Pro Bowl. But does anyone else notice a trend with the narrative that this guy is trying to create? Ultimately, here's my takeaway. Brent Sobleski has been sports writing for a number of publications over the last few years. I'm not going to, I can't totally discredit the work the guy does. He's written for Bleacher Report, NBC Sports, USA Today. He's worked for a lot of different notable outlets. So he's got to have some degree of talent. But if you look at his work as a whole, most of it's focused on draft coverage or just generic NFL wide pieces. Stuff with titles like the NFL's most overhyped stars and predicting 2017's fantasy football sleepers rather than doing any work specific to a single roster coaching situation gm search we as bills fans and should we be shocked that he doesn't know the nuances between a switch from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense and for him to know that having humber raglan and hodges on the roster might just represent a bigger a better value and a better scheme fit to what zach brown might have bought I, or, or that Woods never put together a multi a multi digit touchdown season or a thousand yard season during his entire career here, and that all he was really known for was his run blocking ability, or the fact that Gilmore got paid he got paid a ton more than he's worth given what I watched during his career here as the top cornerback of the Buffalo Bills. I don't. I, I don't think that he's looking at our team like that. So I'm not going to roast the guy completely for being a jack-of-all-trades, but master of none when it comes to writing about football. 
But I'm going to suggest that we as fans not take what a lot of these national bloggers say about our team. I mean, when you see articles like that, you have to take it with not even just a grain, but an entire shaker full of salt. Because ultimately, they're not here watching our situation the way we are. No, and there's, there's something that you tw- – I mean, I was – I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it maybe over the course of the next month, but there was something that you had tweeted out today about some Ravens – I mean, I know you're not into mm-hmm. the Ravens. Zach Orr. Zach Orr. Yeah. I mean, I don't – I mean, I know you're not into our linebacking core, people that we drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you, you'd want to take a shot at that guy if – If pro- his health checks out. I mean, I think – he just represents – he was a guy who led the Ravens in tackles last year, was a true sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. But again, is he a scheme fit? Is he, I'd like to see them at least bring him in for a visit, or maybe they've already done their homework on him and they've decided that they're not interested. They don't want to touch him because of the injury? Well, the injury and the fact that maybe he's not a scheme fit. But that's the same thing that happened to uh, Zach Brown. That's why I'm saying to just look on paper and just if, – if all you're doing is watching the, the transaction wire – and you're seeing all these players leaving the Bills, so you use that as the basis for your assumption that we're going to be a bad football team, and that we're not even a bad football team, that we're tanking intentionally, you can suck my ass. <laughs> do, do, just do a better job, man. Yeah, you want, just, just put a little more effort into it than that. The last, last year, is we killed it with the Lorax and Zach Brown as <laughs> the, what, the uh, second wave, third wave mm-hmm. of free agency, and they killed yeah. it on our roster. And Zach Brown thought he could cash in this year and uh, fired his agents and then came back for a visit with Buffalo, and now he's in Washington. I don't know. I saw the article. I saw the article. My blood pressure got up a little bit, and I saw some angry tweets about it and some responses. But ultimately, after reading it and really digging into this guy's history, I'm I'm just going to take my own advice for a second. I'm going to goose from And I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to sip my beer. I'm going to open another one, and I'm going to move on. That's what I'm going to do. And I suggest everybody else out there do the same. Whew. And so now that we here have spent the last half hour subjecting you to our complaints over other people's work, I feel like it's only fair that we take some of our own medicine. Most of you probably don't know this, but June, this June marks the official two-year anniversary of the Rockpile Report. I, wait, what's that? I, I can hear you all out there. You're probably thinking that that's not possible because our archives only go back to the beginning of the 2015 season right around October. Well, you're right. Chris and I started officially recording our shows in June of that summer and didn't start uploading them until the season started. And Chris, that was even on SoundCloud, which most people can't even find anymore. Yeah, we, we started on SoundCloud and then uh, I eventually went over to, to Podbean, but... The whole basis of starting in June is we actually did uh, three recordings throughout the summer just to get your bearing straight as as a being a host <laughs> and and my bearings as as being the producer of the podcast. I wanted to just to brush up on my production ability, being able to edit and um, you know. Hey, this is a you're listening to a recorded show, so I'm gonna apply any filters I can to make our vocals pop, and just to to do all that stuff, handle the production stuff, get our vocals to pop, and make sure that this sounds like you're listening to something that you would hear on the radio. <laughs> and so I I can tell you, it was ugly, and there's a reason that a lot of this audio was never released until now. 
So we're going to come in with our first ever test recording that we ever did. Usually you hear the podcast, you hear some NFL pundit talk about the Buffalo Bills, and then Drew does his (laughs) dumb... Whenever, Here is Drew, boring, yeah, kicking off the okay. show. Well, this is the first of many unofficial podcasts. I don't know what to call this right now. What, do you, what would you? What the Drew Gear Rock Pile. This You're boring. Drew Gear Rock Pile uh, podcast. Listen to that enthusiasm. Listen to that enthusiasm. Did Guys, you hear that? I talk about the Buffalo Bills because that's really all that matters. I mean, <laughs> so. So, you have the personality of a school bus fire. I'm not going to lie. It sounds an awful lot like right there in that intro. I'm sitting here embarrassed for myself because it sounds like I'm trying to be the voiceover guy on a smooth jazz late night radio station. And this hit is going out to Delilah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's continue with this. A lot of things to go over. It's been an interesting offseason. A lot of changes, a lot of different things going on with the organization that I think I've seen in my lifetime. I know a lot of our older fans may have seen some of the greater teams that have come along in Buffalo Bills history, but I think I speak for everyone when I say this is easily the best team that we've seen in a long time. From a t- Watch that be right there! Oh, God. I don't, I, I'm hearing the tone in my voice and I think I sound like, I feel like I'm trying to be Ron Burgundy or something. Well, we're the, the best You kind team. of. And the best team that we've seen in a long time. I wish I could go back and slap that kid's fat face. Just grab 2015 Drew Gear by the fat cheeks like, like, like Adam Sandler in Billy Madison. No. Yeah, it's the first time that you're in front of a microphone. It kind of sounds like you're using a tone as if like your chick is in one room and you're in the other room talking to your side chick. <laughs> so the Bills came out and did something no one thought they would. And no one they were aggressive they would in free agency. This. They were aggressive when it came to keeping Jerry Hughes. They they re-signed their own. They re-signed other people's players. They actually got involved in offer sheets. That's something that never happens. This is com- this is uncharted territory. Oh, my me. God. Chris, make it stop. Chris, we got to stop it here because I can't listen anymore. Guys, I was a hack and I was terrible. Like I said, I, 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 listened, to this, I listened to this garbage and it's drivel. And it makes me think, like I said, at this point, I could take this tape. And I could submit it to WJYE, Buffalo's Smooth smooth Jazz Hits. And I could tr- I could use that tape to try to get myself a night job there. Oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed for myself. <laughs> I'm sitting here, oh, just gripping it's, this hey, beer bottle. It's your first time in front of a microphone. And it, it took a couple of times before you got it. Like, this is just supposed to be... Two guys at a bar drinking beer, although it sounds professionally produced. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. We were two wild and crazy guys. All right. That was fucking awful. And then as we went on through the course of 2015, Chris, you actually have done some research over the last couple of days. That's correct. The or, Since Monday to today, I work four 10-hour shifts at my job. I get to listen to whatever I want to on my Bluetooth speaker. I picked out from Monday to today to listen to... Eight and a half hours of this asshole to my left. For our first 20 episodes I listened to. And what I've uh, come up with is I've got sound clips of Drew. Drew's talking about certain players from 
2015 and uh, maybe even a little bit before the 2015 roster. So now what we're going to do is we're going to listen to Drew talking about certain players from the very first season that we recorded, and he has to guess at who he's talking about. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm opening another beer for this preemptively. All right, so we're, we're going to start it off first. This is either a player or a coach who you're talking about. I want that guy tarred and feathered in public and then just ridden out of here on a rail or maybe dragged out by a horse. All right, who were you talking about? Oh, 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 oh no. Tarred and feathered and dragged out of town on a horse. Oh, it's got to be a player on the Bills roster. Um, do I get a hint? You know hints. <laughs> do, I, do, do I have a phone a friend? Your only hint is I'll play it again. Play it one more time for me. I want that guy tarred and feathered in public and then just ridden out of here on a rail or maybe dragged out by a horse. Any guesses? Our former defensive coordinator. Dennis Thurman. Yeah! Woo! That's what I'm talking that about. That was about Dennis Thurman. <laughs> Dennis Thurman. All right. Moving on. Uh, we're, I'm going to go. I want to go right to my favorite one oh, that boy. I heard. Here we go. He probably wouldn't understand most of them because the words would be too big and weren't accompanied by pictures. This was you were <laughs> you were asked to explain somebody's job to them. Oh, no. If you were explaining to this person, this person, you were explaining their job, that's what you said to them. Hit, it one more, hit me with it one more time. He probably wouldn't understand most of them because the words would be too big and weren't accompanied by pictures. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> he wouldn't understand because the words are too big and not accompanied by pictures. EJ Manuel? <laughs> oh. Leotis McKelvin. <laughs> if you've ever listened to a Leotis interview, <laughs> the oh dude is very bad at the English language. Oh, Jesus. All right, what else you got for me, Chris? All right, next one. Uh, there are two clips that I have that are from people that speak about the NFL. Uh-oh, okay. Here's the first one. Who, by the way, has never been funny. And in the early 90s, he had hair that made him look like a transvestite. Okay. The dude was a tranny. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the worst part is I can remember sitting there saying it. Oh, someone with tranny hair. Oh, someone who comments on football, correct? Someone who talks about football. They have worked in football. Worked in football? In what capacity? Broadcasting. Broadcasting. Okay. Hair that looked like a tranny. Oh, God. You need it again. Need it one more time. Who, by the way, has never been funny. And in the early 90s, he had hair that made him look like a transvestite. Okay. The dude was a tranny. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all the people who I don't think are funny, who I just genuinely don't like. But we're around in the early 90s. Are we talking about Jerry Sullivan? Mm. Uh, Dennis Miller. <laughs> Dennis Miller, god damn it, I was 
thinking it too. Oh, I was just trying to think of who was terrible at their jobs. And you're right. He was brutal on Monday Night Football. He ruined it for comedians trying to be a part of that show forever. All right. We're going to go back to players and or coaches. Here we go. I stick by the fact that he sucks. He's a scrub. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. Oh, no. You didn't get a much, you didn't get a whole lot of information there. No. But it's someone who clearly did something well that I still hate. So someone performed well and I still hate him. You are right about that. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Jesus. Oh, I'm trying to think back of all the Bills players that I've just had a huge dislike of. As a, as a hint, offensive or defensive player. As, as a hint, I will. I was going to tell you. You're correct that it is a player. Mm-hmm. Well, I know it had to be. Can you give me offense or defense? Defense. Defensive player. Broken clock, right? Twice a day. Who have I hated on defense? Oh. Oh, damn it. Oh. Son of. Um. Wasn't McKelvin? Former Buffalo Bills linebacker, A.J. Tarpley. Oh, my God, A.J. Tarpley. That guy shouldn't have been on the field ever. The fact that he he wore a Bills jersey was kind of embarrassing, but he did win us a game, so I'll let him slide. All right, next one. I will personally go to his house and pack everything up for him and shove it into a U-Haul and tell him to get the hell out of my city. (laughs) Oh, Ah, uh, why do I hate all of these players? Like, how many players? Sorry, sorry, guys, it's, it's all negative. Th- th- this brings this brings to question the fact I seem to dislike a lot more players than I think I give myself credit for. Is it a player or a coach? That's the point. Oh, I think that's a coach. I think that's a coach, and I think it's. Are we talking about Rex Ryan? Uh, you can get the coach's name in this clip. Someone bring me Danny Crossman's head on a pike. Okay, I want it so I can put it next to my desk in my office. <laughs> Our friend of the show, Reed Ferguson's coach, Danny Crossman. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he's still here. He's still here. He's, he's sur- still I think he, here. I want to say he survived three coaching changes. He sets. survived coaching changes. Three, three coaching changes. The guy's like a cockroach. You just can't kill him. All right, uh, we're, we're going back to the media. Oh, boy. Okay, we're going back to the media on this one. Said at the beginning of the season, when the Bills were in training camp, that they did not have a single NFL-caliber quarterback anywhere on their roster. That guy can bite me in the ass. I don't care. The fattest part of my ass. And that stupid haircut of his. Stop gelling your hair. You're like, you're in your 50s now. You're almost 60. Knock it off. I, I remember this one. I say emphatically that it's Mark Schlereth. I remember that because I remember hearing him say that, or seeing him say it, rather. on sport. I was in Pittsburgh at 10 a.m. standing in a casino drinking beer, because that's what you do on Guys Weekend, is you just booze and you gamble. And I saw that come across the TV, and I slapped my beer over at the bar. And the bartender looked at me like I was on drugs. And then I just I, I threw a bunch of napkins. I was not happy. I was not happy. That guy's an, And he's still an ass clown. He is still an ass clown to this day. All right, we got one more. Oh boy, let's I'm put, see if I can I'm, end on a high note. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a caveat, caveat on this one. Okay. Okay. You nailed this one. 
Seagram's all season for me. Oh boy! All right, I like that. Right, I, let's go. That's how confident I am in you not getting this. Here we go. Bring the thunder. See, you're bringing up things that are like I've tried to block this stuff out. All right, man, you're killing me. But he played like three games, went to IR, and then we cut him. That guy sucked. He was a fat mess. I'm glad he's gone. I hope he's sleeping behind a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> Jesus, do I have some ill will towards people? Good lord! Focus. This is for me. All right, me so drinking Seagrams all season. No, no, because there were some clues in there. Only played, only played a handful of games, and then went to IR. He was a bigger guy. So if I say he was a fat mess, then he's got to be an offensive or defensive lineman. The one, the one thing I he was not on the 2015 roster. Yeah, he was on 2014. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just trying to think back to who, who were the guys that were, who, who were our big guys up front, guys who were doing different things, fat mess, someone I obviously held a lot of ill will for. Hmm. Oh. And there's a lot riding on this. The stakes are high for this one. I'm so confident you're not going to get this. Oh. That's, why, that's why I had to go to a Seagram's, Seagram's the entire season. All right. So let's so let's you, see. You, you <clears throat> focus if you want me to drink Seagrams for four months. Three, three, or four games. I'm sure three was probably an exaggeration, so it was probably more like five or six games he played. And then he went to IR. I called him a fat mess, which means he can't be one of the smaller guys on defense, so that takes out linebacker, that takes out safety, that takes out cornerback. On offense, your wide receivers are never fat. Your running back is I, you, I'd never refer to a running back as a fat guy unless it was Carlos Williams that one time. So that leaves me with that leaves me with a series of offensive and defensive linemen. So now I got to think about who played in 2014 on the offensive and defensive line. I, I'm sure right now there's somebody out there who's yelling, or at least think, or at least knows who I'm ta- who I was talking about without actually knowing it, and they're frustrated with me right now. Um, Oh, God. Who was there starting? I mean, Eric Wood was still at center. Um, Cordy Glenn was still at left tackle. I'm uh, giving you no hints on this because I, I, put, I put Seagram's on the line. Oh, left tackle. Who was our right tackle? Who was our right tackle? Oh, who was our right tackle? Um, You figure Jordan Mills, we drafted Chantrell Henderson. Did he play in fifth? Was 15 his first season? I think it was. Which means that somebody, uh, someone had to be in that position. Who was the Bills starting right tackle in 2014? You have Google. <laughs> if, you need, if you need to Google, you Life can Google. Line, but I'm going to Google. You can Google. For the sake of transparency. Bills 2014 right tackle. I don't think you'll get it. I'm so confident. I, I've, I felt the need to put Seagram's. <laughs> on the line. Oh, all right. Seagram's, the unofficial beverage, party beverage of the Rockpile Report podcast. All right. Drew, Drew, you're really going out of the way to get me to drink Seagram's. Oh, dude, you got to go big or go home. You put, this is a I put, I, I Yeah, I put Seagram's on the line for this. I don't think you'll get it. Oh, my God. I feel like I feel like I'm so close. I feel like I'm so close to it. 
Because like I said, I've narrowed it down to two units, and I just got to figure out which one it is. Oh, God. Drum roll. Come on. You gotta have, we got to have a time limit on this. I mean. Oh, I know. I'm about to. But I think I know who it was. It's the last one. I think I have it. All right, go for it. Oh, no. The people are waiting. Nope. You know what? I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna say that it was 2014. Um. Oh Jesus Christ. Um. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm coming up empty. I'm gonna throw up a hail mary. I'm gonna say that it was. Jesus, we had nobody. There's nobody. I just Googled 2014, like, offensive line, and there's nothing. That's who I would have picked. I, I got nothing for you. Um, I'm going to go with Craig Urbic. Yep. Chris Williams. Oh, God damn it. Damn it. I had you in the crosshairs, the perfect bet, and I blew it. Yeah, you totally blew it. Oh. Plus, look at 2014. I think one of the things you missed out when you went to, to guess Craig Urbic was Craig Urbic injured for the basically the whole season. No, he wasn't. Damn it. That's you being a stupid male. Oh. See, wasn't that fun? Oh, How negative guys, you that, are? See, but I had it narrowed down to an offensive lineman, and damn it. You, yeah, was you, I was like, ugh. When you said offensive and defensive lineman, I was like, Ugh. Did your butthole pucker a little yeah, bit when I it, said offensive lineman? My butthole pucker. So, guys... There you have it. We sucked back in the day. So, you know, I, and then, you know, I'm glad that we were able to share that with you because not only were, I don't know, you know, I, I don't listen to myself. I don't listen to these podcasts after I, do. I make them. I do. does, but. I listen to them because I need to be better at producing. <laughs> and if I hear something that Drew does that like, hey, stop breathing into the microphone. Two years later, still doing it. All I know, guys, is that I'm glad you seem to enjoy it. I appreciate you stopping by tonight. We got to get out of here. But you're not going to want to miss the next Rock Power Report podcast. As I'm pretty much, I have a feeling we've got two guests locked down. A pair of WGR 550 on-air personalities are going to come out of the show to help us kick off our training camp primer. It's going to be a night filled with camp talk, beers, and I'm sure Chris will be wearing some sort of stupid hat. Yes. So be sure to come back and check it out. And don't be surprised if we put it out that maybe it's on, if we do this on an off day. Could to, be an off day. Could be an off day to accommodate the WGR personalities we're working on. Because even though it's not a Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm always down to drink beer and talk football, folks. Guys, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. Thanks for sticking around. This has been the Rock Pile Report.